predictive programming, all of the genetic enhancements have nothing to do with mice. They don't care about mice. It's all about getting you used to the thoughts of incredible changes. And sometimes, mind you, you get the thought going through your head. I wouldn't mind having some of that energy, especially when you're burning the candle at both ends. You burn much brighter, but you don't last as long. And I found out that this morning when I got up at noon and almost missed my whole day. I'll be back with more after these following messages. Credits. 
Monday and you'll have to spend them all by the Friday because you, it'll go right back to square one on the Monday again. You can't save up your credits. That's so that the, the lower level majority uh, can't get ahead. They, they can't get a rise above each other. They'll all be equal. But as George Orwell said, some are more equal than others in such utopias. And that's the way it is with man. We saw this in the Soviet era, where the Soviet... This was published in British newspapers in the 70s and 80s. The Soviet bureaucracies were get, and the technocrats were, were living a comparable lifestyle to any bureaucratic position in a similar place in the West, a similar bureaucratic position. So they had all the goodies, all the toys, all the stereos, the cars, the chauffeurs, etc. So that's how such utopias work. It's only a utopia or an equality for the majority of the public at the bottom. Now, I always tell people to be careful how you guard your mind. You are the guard of your own mind. No one else is. And when you let yourself be downloaded without censoring what's coming in and filtering it, then you're being brainwashed. And most people get all their ideas from the media, which they've been taught and trained to believe is some kind of altruistic, special big brother uh, that just is out there to keep them right on the right track. They truly, truly believe that, whereas their grandparents were brought up to be suspicious of the media because they had the histories of the big moguls and how they'd always used propaganda and disinformation to brainwash people before. Now they don't question the media. The media is, is some sort of altruistic, um, special type of people who get up and worry about the general public. They worry that you're, you're not getting the right information or all of the information, and they fret and fume and, and cry a lot, apparently. It's because they really want to have you informed of everything you have to know. And that's how the general public perceive it. They are private companies, and information is everything. These are information wars, widely publicized in the 80s, and in fact in the 70s in some parts of Europe. They talked about the information wars to come long before the public heard of computers or Internet, even though Zygmunt Brzezinski and check him up and see what he was into, top advisor into the military and all the rest of it, and, and presidents, a man into technotronic warfare ideas. And he wrote books in the 60s about this up-and-coming communications form that would eventually create a universal culture. That's what he said. That's what the Internet would be for, long before we even had a computer. So nothing is given to the public without a purpose. It doesn't arrive on the shelves without a purpose. And even when it was happening and being pushed in Europe as a must-be, a must-be, all the unemployed youth at the time were being put through computer training as programmers until I think most of the country uh, was unemployed and going through the training as programmers. And yet an overflow programmers that were obsolete very quickly when they upgraded the computers. But it was a must-be when you saw all that was getting pushed towards it and they even used the terminology uh, that you better get into it now or you'll be left behind. The same terminology of the ads they used to join the European Union and all the countries. They said, you've got to join it. You've got to join it. You'll be left behind. They never said, behind what? What you were going into. It was just create a fear-type uh, reaction so that people would just jump into it, as people unfortunately tend to do. And Al Gore, the allegory of Gore, is out there 
doing a job that he was picked to do long ago, I'm sure. As his ghostwriters write all his books for him, and his speechwriters write all his speeches for him. And as long as he can follow the lines and he doesn't foul up, he'll do a good job. It's all fake and all show because the world is planned hundreds of years before in advance, step by step by step. And for those who doubt that, look into the histories of the British diplomatic society, diplomatic corps. The diplomatic corps hired men to go out and help design ways to conquer whole nations. It might take them their whole lifetime to do it, stir up and foment trouble, get tribesmen fighting against tribesmen, uh, knowing who would win because you knew who you were going to back. And then once you'd won uh, over them, you'd have someone else fighting them. And this went on and on and on. And that's what Napoleon meant by perfidious England. It kept changing sides all the time and making treaties with new ones. And those diplomats would work their whole life in the diplomatic corps going across the world, fomenting these revolutions. A good movie to see is called Burn. Burn. It was not pushed very highly. Marlon Brando starred in it. And it showed you some of these techniques being used in some of the, the, the slave uh, colonies in the Pacific and how, how it worked, how everyone was getting used for an agenda they didn't realize until it was too late. And Britain was a master at that. They could often go through two or three generations of bureaucrats all working towards the same agenda before they reached their goal. And that's how the world is planned. It's a long, long-term business plan with every step of the implementation being put down and working exactly as planned. People say, oh, they're behind in their agenda. No, they're not behind whatsoever. They had it planned that, that 2001 would be the spark to unite Fortress America, as it's now called, and get us all together. Uh, I knew they'd have to use a different technique than did in Europe, because in Europe they've been working since 1948 to surreptitiously join all the countries into one. In the U.S. it was different. They knew that they needed a different technique because most of the citizens of the U.S. had some memory of something called freedoms and bills of rights and stuff like that. And there'd be objections. However, you overcome the objections in a state of war and martial law. So we've got it all born together. We've got to unify all our security agencies. That was announced in the CBC Canada back at the end of 2001 that it was being done already. Now it is done, it's complete, there's even FBI offices across Canada. And we're all one big happy family now, except to keep the pretense of the border going because they want us all to have ID cards which are chipped. That's the reason for it. And Jacques Elow, who was the top man really in France, he was an advisor to the top presidents like Mitterrand. No one could see Mitterrand without asking uh, this particular guy permission and he wrote the book uh, it's called um, Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order Millennium it was called Millennium Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order and uh, Jack Satali his name was A-T-T-A-L-I uh, said now he works now for the United Nations so he's a big player he helped unify Europe he said eventually he said uh, much of Latin America will flood into the U.S., beginning with the southern states. And he said even hordes of barbarians will come in, the gangster groups, and they will cause mayhem for about a generation or two, 
eventually they'll all be assimilated after two or three generations. And to use the words of Mr. Rockefeller, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. So all the mayhem that's caused as everyone rushes to the streets that they think are paved with gold and all of the, the mayhem that results with the clashes of opposing cultures, different cultures, is just tough luck, isn't it? That's how they view it. Their agenda is rolling forward. And I have Mr. Rockefeller talking about that at a meeting. I'll be back after the following messages. Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix and giving little tidbits on how this system works and how we've all been brainwashed our whole lives, really, to try and see a world as it's been presented to us from birth and how we've got to see through it and see how it works, see how it all works. It's very clever. It's complete. It's called scientifically designed, according to Bertrand Russell and Huxley and others, a scientific type of dictatorship. An odd term he used because that was really what Francis Bacon talked about when he wrote his book, The New Atlantis, and it was published in 1602, although it was already out in 1599. And Bacon talked about uh, this place in the Atlantic, which of course is the Americas, where it would have a form of republican government on the surface, basically meaning exoterically, but written reality would be run by a secret group of scientists. And those into the high occultic stuff have always been into science. We found that with the alchemists of the Middle Ages, the Rosicrucian types, and how they, they tried to use various means to, to gain powers or release powers from innate articles and metals and all the rest of it. And that led to the rush towards science, understanding nature as they used to couch it. But Bacon talked about the New Atlantis and how he even called it Solomon's Land, after Solomon, you see, and how it would be run by a secret society, in other words, with different rituals, customs, and degrees, and how it would come up to lead, appear to the world to be a champion of the free and be very, very, um, it would not get involved with other countries' affairs, a sort of Monroe Doctrine, something that maybe they should have held to, but of course they couldn't because the Anglo-American establishment that got together under the Council on Foreign Relations in America decided that the U.S. should take over as policemen of the world, and they've been bashing about all over the place ever since, and they still are doing it. So nothing is new at all, nothing is new. Things are planned a long time ago, and we can find the histories leading up to the Council on Foreign Relations form Mation, its formation to do the job it's actually doing, and how they, they plan to get most of the major media in as members. You, you can ask to join it. You must be asked to join it if you have the right stuff, as they say. And, and Masons love angles, and the right stuff is the right angle. And it gives you the right angles on stuff, not nearly the true angles, but they give you right angles all the time. We live in a psychopathic system, and unfortunately it's been made that way since the beginning of at least money creation, where those who sought after it and wanted to live high on the hog like kings in comfort above the rest of the people took over, and unfortunately now a world like ours where people are fairly decent, fairly nice, those who are very aggressive tend to take over. 
And we've got to be very careful with those who oppose them because the dialectic has been used again down through the ages. And you'll find often those who, who oppose them are simply psychopathics themselves uh, who are just as bad once they become the top cheese when, when they take over and they're in power. That's, again, the history of the world. It's really battles between psychopaths at the top. Now, here's an article from the Guardian Unlimited. It says here, Hiroshima pilot dies aged 92. Fred Atwell and agencies, Thursday, November the 1st, 2007. The pilot of the U.S. bomber Enola Gay, it's a nice name that, Enola Gay, supposed to be his mother, which is a, a Masonic code actually in there, which in 1945 dropped the first nuclear bomb to be detonated in wartime, died today at the age of 92. And obviously he didn't die of radiation poisoning. Paul Tibbetts was in command of the B-29. That's 9, 10, 11, and B is a B, so there's 13, and it's unlucky for some, according to the Knights Templars. B-929 aircraft, which dropped the five-ton Little Boy bomb over Hiroshima, as the U.S. tried to end the Second World War without a ground invasion of Japan. Up to 100,000 people are estimated to have died in the explosion. Mr. Tibbetts requested no funeral or headstone because he feared they would attract protesters. In 2005, he said he wanted his ashes scattered over the English Channel we had enjoyed flying during the war. Well, during the war, he wasn't out joyriding. He, he was over there bombing, you see, over in Europe. So he enjoyed that. He always maintained that his conscience was clear over Hiroshima. I'm not proud that I killed 80,000 people, but I'm proud that I was able to start with nothing, plan it, and have it work as perfectly as it did, he said in a 1975 interview. Well, you see, that's a psychopath talking there, and I'm sure he was chosen for those particular traits. He didn't reflect on things, didn't have a conscience, didn't do things that would break normal people. And he was able to live a happy, happy life afterwards. And you see, that's the psychopaths we're talking about. Uh, there's lots of them out there, and within all strata of society, they're born every day, some of them. And we see more of them, of course, in the inbred families at the top, where that part, that part of the brain, just is missing. You can breed parts out, breed parts in, traits in, traits out. They're just like domesticated animals, according to Plato. And they certainly bred out that part in these characters long, long ago. But still, you always have the anomaly carrying or catching out or breaking out in the lower strata of society as well. And they tend to be recruited by military. They go into special forces. They go into hit teams. And they tend to enjoy their job. But the Nilla Gay is just an anagram, if you look at it. And I think I hear the music coming in. I'll talk more about this after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Vernon from New Hampshire. Are you still there? Hey, Alan. Hello. How 
How are you doing tonight? Not, not so bad, yeah. Okay, I've been listening to your show. Man, you, you're totally on target, though. I'm telling you, you have you have this thing like all locked down. I'm sorry about my language. That's how I, I usually speak. I'm trying to be individual, too. Yeah. But um, I just got one comment I want to make to you. What I really understand about what's going on is like those people on the top, elite, the guardian class, mm-hmm. is that they fear unique individual. They fear us, and like they trying to get rid of us. And that's the that's like the single biggest threat to their system. No, it's people who are going to be individual and be their true selves. They true, you know, mm-hmm. know who they are deep inside and connect with the spirit part of themselves. And that's what they really fear about us. That's why they're trying to get rid of us. Yeah, so that's, true. that's true. Even the United Nations, it. even the United Nations in its mandate said that they would have to destroy individuality. This has always been a prime motive that they've got. And so mm-hmm. you're quite right. They fear the individual. Uh, they, they, they don't mind the masses who are all mass think to do the same things and all smile at the same time and watch the same television. But the individual is what they want to extinguish. Yeah. Yeah, they're really trying to get rid of us. And, like, they go, they've been trying to do that stuff, for like, really, really long, like hundreds and thousands of years ago. Yep. And it's like they're, they're at that point where, like, we possess, like, a serious threat for them, and they're going to do whatever they want to do, whatever they got to do to get rid of rid of, rid of of us, like burn the needle in the haystack. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've often found in the past, even this goes back to the ancient Greeks, they, they knew that the peasantry... Uh, were getting upsy or annoyed about things or uh, when, when poverty was uh, becoming extreme. And they would always uh, have little arrangements. They'd, they'd talk about wars and get them into wars because suddenly they can get more people into the military. It, it takes down the population. They profit from the wars at the top. And so their problem is over for a little while. And that's been a standard routine done through the ages with all countries and kings and so on. And it's still the same today. Uh, they don't know how they could possibly allow people to be free, really free, and and still maintain their, their positions over the people. It's kind of like sheep grazing. You know, you don't yeah. want to move from that field when it's a happy mm-hmm. grazing field, and you get used to it. So they've got to keep you in constant panic and stampeding and moving along this path which they are directing. And you're, you're quite right. Um, uh, Bertrand Russell said it too, the, that individuality was their main target. They'd have to destroy it. And we have only had really a couple of hundred years of what we could think of as individuality. But prior to that, people were the mass man once again. They knew very little, they lived in, in working communities or, or farm communities. And, and they went to church, and the church taught them they were all brothers and sisters and taught them a formula and a culture. And so they never had a chance to develop their individuality until about 200 years ago. And most people today, the mass man, still doesn't know how to cope with individuality. You understand that? Yeah, and, and what they're really trying to do now is, like, they're trying to force the, like, the tiny few that know what's going on in the, in the matrix, in the system, whatever you want to call it. They're trying to make us follow the masses. Like, people around you, they're so, like, conditioned to the system that they always try to force, the, like, the, like, the few of us to try to, like, like follow what they say. Oh well, we, oh uh, we well, you know what's right, so you gotta follow us. If you don't follow us, we're gonna start like, you know, making you look. It's like they trying to like make you follow them. If you don't follow, they're gonna snitch on you. They're gonna say what's up, like you're not a part of them. That's correct. Yeah. And, and they count upon the general population 
to do it for them. This has been tried and tested in China uh, with a form of what they call social approval and disapproval, where they've trained the masses to turn on someone who is different. And, and what being different can be eating something different or even growing your own food. You're now antisocial. Um, or having a second child, that you, you don't need the military to drag off the woman anymore to the abortion clinic. Your local people will do it themselves. That's called social disapproval. And we see it here now. It's coming it's pretty well here now with, yeah. with the people being told to be snitches on everyone else. And yeah. if you are, you're, you're a member of a good citizenry. Yeah, and like it's like getting like really hard for people like me and you and those other people out there will see what's going on. We trying to tell like the masses, trying to like help people close around us, but like it's like really fighting like a useless battle with them or useless trying to talk. Because I think like a lot of those people they asleep and we just gotta not even worry about them. They don't want to wake up. They just, they like they like living in the system. They don't want to be told nothing that goes contrary to what the system tell them every day. So like me and you and other people like we like crazy like we i feel like different living in this world i feel like alienated from all my friends yeah. and families if you feel different yes and, and that's a price you pay for for truth and when people ask me for truth i always caution them i said you really really want to know i said because you'll end up as a very lonely person yeah you get and lonely, that's yeah. true yeah there's a price to pay for the truth and knowledge and and you have to play two different roles one to the rest of the public or your friends or relatives just to be accepted if you still want to be mm. uh, and keep the peace and yourself that goes out with the knowledge looking for people that, that's asking for it mm. so you almost have to be an actor with those that you you know and you have to live with yeah but another thing I noticed Alan about like the masses I think like pretty soon no matter if they're your family your friends when they still inside that system, the matrix, pretty soon they're going to start selling you out to the authorities and stuff. So I know this guy used to talk bastard about the system. Go talk to him over there, like talk to him. He used to say a lot of stuff about the government and stuff like that. Yep, I agree. I, I see it happening now. Uh, you got to understand the majority of the public always want the sameness. They don't want even individuality uh, most of them are afraid even to think in quietness, you know, they can't stand quietness where they have to think, so they keep something, some noise on all the time, uh, or, or they watch television, but they don't want to think for themselves. They've given up their, their ability to think, and, and if you're, you will actually make them afraid because you're coming out with stuff that's not on the major media, it's not being told to them on the comfortable media. And, and they'll start to be afraid of you and uh, feel threatened in their complacency. And it's also a time, you see, where people don't want to know. They're, they are making choices. Yeah. There's something else going on here in this world that's much bigger than all of this. And people are making choices right now as to what happens in the future and perhaps even to them. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people like they fear knowing what's going on around. They feel if they got to entertain thoughts like that, they're going to lead to some other type of stuff, and like it's going to like start affecting their DNA and all their genetics and all that stuff. It's going to make them start like thinking and they, like they they put like a mental like barrier to knowledge like that. They don't want to know it. Yes, that's right. And, and you'll also find a lot of them. I'm sure you'll see it. Whatever comes out next for them to take or try. Uh, and, and enhance themselves, they will run for it, just like the free flu shot. They'll want it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but anyway, Alan, I got you three books. I, I I know how you how you stay. We all in the same. I'm gonna send you a donation and stuff. But I got you three copies of them books. I still read it and stuff like that. So it's nice talking to you, man. Well, thanks for calling. All right, thank you. Bye now. So that's where we are, folks. And and yes, the masses it will end up being the best friends that the elite ever had. Uh, that's happened down through history in all times where they think they're going to save themselves by being politically correct and being good. Good is only what the elite tell them is good, and they will become good. And they'll turn on those who don't go along, those who even draw uh, stares in their direction. You'll make them afraid because you're drawing stares from the authorities, and they'll try and get rid of you or turn you in. And that's what happened in the Soviet Union. We have all the snitch programs going on here. We have cops, citizens, citizens on patrol. Every wannabe cop that's watched television all their whole life and buys detective stories now runs around in cars with little walkie-talkies, snitching on everything that looks to them suspicious. And uh, I also know some of the people who've been lifted because of these programs and almost shot by mistake because of them. One guy was going into a post office to post some chocolates to his mum, and that woman was passing on patrol, cops patrol, and she phoned in 911 and said, this guy looks suspicious. And uh, he was straddled against a wall in the post office, gun at his back, the whole thing. And he was told that I, the woman didn't like the look of his face, I guess. He just looked suspicious, wasn't her type. Almost killed the guy. And that's what it comes down to when you're terrified uh, of people around you. And that's what they want. They want to encourage that, in fact, the terror that anyone around you can turn you in for the wrong statement, uh, the wrong thought you've expressed, or maybe even just the way you look. Uh, that's a bad society, and yet that's been promoted from the top down. The new Soviet system is all here, is implemented with the NGO groups, the non-governmental organization groups, comprising the Soviet, that's what Soviet really means, ruled by councils unelected councils, by the way, and funded by the big foundations like the Rockefeller Center. And I know people in the Rockefeller Center who just sign checks all day for these groups. There's hundreds and hundreds. Even the UFO groups all get funded by them. That's, that's where all they get all their money for their magazines and stuff. And all the New Age stuff is funded by them as well because that keeps people off and happy at La La Land, and uh, that does them no harm whatsoever. So... We're run by the big, big foundations, the big money boys, just like Albert Pike said would be, and that's what uh, we find that even the Illuminati's uh, top men, at least the ones that were caught in one of the lodges, like Weishaupt said, he says we shall create these foundations, multi-leveled foundations, extremely wealthy, and they will then fund through philanthropy uh, certain organizations which will become the new activists, the government activists, and the governments are only too happy to, to pass into law what these particular groups want. And that's because the guys at the Rockefeller Center and all the other foundations are in cahoots with the politicians, and they employ the heads of the NGOs. Look into all the NGOs that belong to the United Nations. There's hundreds of them, and some of them might surprise you. Some of them, you actually think we're on your side but you have to go along with the tenants, all the tenants of the United Nations to be allowed in as a member. Remember that at all times when you're reading those lists of NGOs. And that's the world we live in. 
the United Nations is French and one, UN is one, we're all going to be one, you see. And it's not a benevolent organization. It's had so much corruption stuck to it. They do great jobs, mind you, trying to get it all off. It's like tar and use lots of petroleum to wash it off. During the, the food for oil scandal that's been swept under the rug, where Mr. Anand's son was in charge of this, he was making lots of money to a corporation that was feeding food into Iraq uh, during the time when they had the embargo on oil, getting oil out in exchange for the food and raking in millions of dollars. And the head of the United Nations didn't even know his son was doing it. It was such a surprise to him. Well, that's how good their intelligence is at the United Nations, right? No, they're just the same bunch of corrupt sods that run all the other countries, and uh, yet they're to be taken over, or they're going to take over as the, as the supposedly government of the world one day. And they're tremendously corrupt. Tremendously corrupt. And all corruption at that level always hides behind the guise of doing good and charitable works. It's, it's just amazing how they've used this for thousands of years, the same scam, because it's very hard to attack mum's apple pie and say there's something rotten in the center. So charity works very, very, very well, and, and good works works very well to cover up atrocities. Now, the Rwandans found this out very well. The Rwandans had that mass slaughter going on with the Hutus and the Tutsis, and there was one general from Canada and there was a small contingent from Belgium, Belgium troops, to handle that whole fracas, and it drove this particular general into depression afterwards, almost suicidal, because the UN got all these reports of the coming slaughter for weeks and weeks and weeks, and nothing was done about it. It pretty well broke this man, and he wrote a book about it, uh, Shake Hands with the Devil. I think it was called Shake Hands with the Devil, or Shout at the... Yeah, it was Shake Hands with the Devil. And uh, the man himself, the general, now that he's recovered from his depression, has joined an NGO group to work with the United Nations to try and stop future wars. So he's actually joined the very problem that caused it in the first place. He hasn't quite figured it out that this was intentional, that the Rwandans should be have this big slaughter going on. They don't make mistakes like that. They don't make them at all like that. And believe you me, if they want to move masses of troops quickly, they'll do it extremely quickly. When they don't they give you all the excuses, there's always another reason behind it. And it's interesting, too, that Rwanda is one of the biggest coffee producers. The last time they had that happen there, the price of coffee went sky high, and the big buyers and so on brought in millions of dollars until they were back on their feet because they raise coffee through the roof. There's always a reason for things, and big business has no conscience. The whole purpose of big business is to get profit, maximize the profit by any ways and means possible. I watched a program to do with uh, Sierra Leone, and it was about the European mercenaries and British mercenaries that were over there uh, fomenting a civil war and training the natives to fight each other and it was all on behalf of a gold and diamond corporation based in London. And the big CEO of this corporation was asked, why do you have the right to start wars with people who are at peace, uh, all for the sake of money and business? And the CEO, this big guy with the three chins, they've generally three chins, looked astounded. And he, and, and he said, he says, well, he says, all that wealth is sitting there and the natives are doing nothing with it. 
that was his excuse. It's like a preposterous question to ask me. It's business. You see, it's business. And that's how it works in this world of ours. It's all business. The same excuse was given by the little man in Toronto who was a purchaser for uh, one of the big companies here uh, uh, that bought blood products from the U.S. when Clinton signed the deal that prisons could sell tainted blood. And it wiped out a good portion of people who, in, in Canada who were hemophiliacs. And, uh, of course, the little inquiry went nowhere. And they waited about 15 years till most of them had died off before they came to their conclusions and the inquiry and their awards. Of course, by that time, most of them were dead. That's what they always do. And, uh, but anyway, the guy from, uh, I think it was uh, Connaught Laboratories that bought all the blood products was on television, interviewed, on the steps, went up in his doorway, and he, he just turned around quite casually and, say, and said the same thing. He says, what's wrong? He says, it's business. It's business. That was his answer to it all. It's business. And these little psychopaths are all over the place. It's business. Psychopaths. See, they have no conscience at all. They're not normal at all, but they're the most aggressive and successful in the system because they run the system. And the ones at the very, very top are the king psychopaths of all. I'll be back after the following messages. through the matrix and just winding up really it's pretty I'm actually winding up to go to go and do more but we're at the end of the show I just to remind people that I don't get paid for the shows I'm on I don't ask for money and I depend upon people to order my books and DVDs and donate to keep me going here because I have to live like everyone else perhaps not in the same circumstances I live in the boonies and it can be pretty rough at times especially when the winter is coming on. And uh, so if you enjoy the stuff I'm putting out there and all the information I'm putting out there, you can always write to me or donate some money to me. And my address is on the website to keep this going. And next week, I hope, we go through some books with you with certain quotes, very, very important books to give you an idea into the mindsets of the types of people who run the world, the ones who are incredibly clever and scheming they have a natural talent and gift for it because they're psychopathic and it's a book about psychopaths in fact and this particular type of successful dominant psychopath it's a very interesting book I'll be reading next week on the air everyone should tune in and you'll learn a lot you'll learn about the signs and the symptoms and how their minds operate you'll see the MOs of these characters and you'll see why they club together because they recognize each other intuitively. They form their clubs, allow each other in because they're all of the same type. No, they're not walking crocodiles. No, they didn't come from Sirius. And no, they're not from Mars. They're just an aberrant, an aberrant type living within our system. And many of them at the top have been inbred because certain qualities were bred out of them. 
when you want a king, you don't want a lovey-dovey king who's awful nice to the people because, you know, he might let the people keep most of the goods themselves that they produce and you will be living better than they are. Well, you want one who can be rather ferocious and nasty at times and ruthless. And that's what they've got, you see. Not just kings and queens, but the myriads of the helpers down the ladder, right down to even your local policeman, because it takes aside a, a particular type of personality to want to be a policeman. They like to see people quiver. They get off on it. Uh, that's part of the job. They get off on watching people being afraid of them. These are the bully types. And unfortunately, we breed them too at the bottom level. That's where they're recruited from. And there's lots of them out there. And that's also reinforced by all the TV shows, all the propagandic fictional shows on detectives and, and how conscientious they are. But in reality, it's totally different. They like to wear a gun on the hip, and as long as no one else does, and stop your car and maybe impound it, which is stealing your car. But anything to make you squirm makes them feel very important. They get off on power. Power, power, power. What a terrible curse on the planet. They also rake a lot of money in for governments that now depend on all the fines. When the Toronto police went on a work strike or a work-to-rule strike, they, uh, the city would lost thousands and thousands of dollars per day, which they bring in to their, their budgets. They expect that money to come in because crime pays. It pays certain, certain fees a few people, plus it pays the lawyers in the court system, so crime does pay very much, very, very well. I haven't seen a poor lawyer. And I think I hear the music coming up, and this is the weekend coming up. I hope you have a good time. Enjoy yourselves. From Hamish and myself up here in Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>